Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. More than a quarter of U.S. travelers are adventurers or adventure enthusiasts, according to a survey from the Adventure Travel Trade Association. Does that mean they're all rock climbing and bungee jumping? Not necessarily. On this episode of the Skiff Podcast, we're talking about who can claim to be an adventure traveler, what the latest trends are, and whether the phrase, pictures or it didn't happen, applies to this segment of travel. We're joined today by Bruce Poontip, founder and CEO of G Adventures, a small group tour operator. Also joining us via Skype is Casey Hanisco, Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Adventure Travel Trade Association. They're talking trends with me, podcast host, Hannah Sampson, and editor Andrew Shavakman. Bruce and Casey, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Um, so just to start things off, let's talk about um, a fun subject. What are some of the hottest adventure travel trends today? Um, like suborbital flights or polar expeditions or things I'm not even thinking of? Bruce, why don't you start? Oh, boy. I mean, it depends how you define trends, I guess. I mean, we find that people are wanting to go more remote, for sure, um, and be, you know, disconnected. I think we live in such a wired world that we're seeing a trend towards people going to Antarctica or Galapagos or Mongolia. I think if you looked at travel a decade ago, people liked really hustle and bustle markets of Marrakesh-type travel. But we definitely notice a trend of people wanting to be more remote. Mm-hmm. Um so that's, I mean, that's one thing, but there's also, also often trends to areas mm-hmm. like, um, there's like Colombia is a, a tr- I think a trend right now. Um, there's places in, you know, Asia had a, um, f- you know, after, um, SARS and tsunami for, for years, people, it, it slowed down there. And then there was kind of a trend to go back to Asia. Mm. So there's, I mean, there's lots of different trends, I think in the, in, in, um, adventure travel. Casey, what are you guys seeing there? Uh, well, certainly, you know, from biking has or, already been really big, but what's um, been coming up lately is a lot of fat tire biking. Mm-hmm. That is a big uh, trend that's coming up a lot in itineraries that we're seeing, as well as, um, and Bruce will know this well from his trips, but um, cultural immersion where people really want to have those um, real experiences and that they may be traveling around a festival or something that is something that's happening within the country where they feel like they're going to be um, experiencing uh, something that locals will be at and be part of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fit vacations, which again, I think G Adventures has some good examples of that. There's a lot of um, companies that are incorporating either getting fit for your trip before or just knowing that people, I think, are often not um, spending as much time um, getting fit either in their daily lives or it's so important to them. They want to bring that on vacation and then also be in- immersed in the destination that they're in. There's a lot of other trends I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to find during a recent interview that older travelers are showing an increased interest in adventure travel. Are you seeing increased interest from older travelers, solo travelers? What are sort of the interesting trends in terms of the demographics of the people who are interested in this? I mean, I think it's growing in every in every way. I mean, it's, it's getting younger and older. Um, I mean, people are staying healthier, longer, fitter, you know, um, as they get older. Um, and so it's definitely getting older, but you're seeing, you know, I I think with adventure travel in general, it's a, it's a mindset and age demographic doesn't fit anymore. It's a psychographic, I think they call it where it's a like-minded 
you know, what people want out of their holiday time. People who are really committed to lifelong learning are often very adventurous because they want something more than just a week on the beach type holiday. Um, and there's no age for that. And we find actually on our trips, we, you know, there'll be people that are in, in their 70s and people in their 30s that, be, that become long, you know, become friends now, especially with social media and Facebook and stuff. But people are becoming very good friends and it, age doesn't, you know, uh, define them. It's it's what they want out of their holiday time and what they want out of life, like how the, the, their priorities and they look at adventure travel and active travel very differently. I would say that that that's definitely true. And one of the things that we did when we did um, the ATTA looked at the adventure travel personas, what we really saw was that psychographic and the adventure enthusiast is an example of it does skew towards the older. Um, however, there's enthusiasts that are also very young. And, and so it is a it is a mindset. However, we do see that there's a lot more older travelers that are traveling, but they're doing adventurous trips. They want to have, you know, in general, more comfortable sort of luxury at the end, sort of that, you know, work hard exercise, but then they want good food, good lodging. But millennials also tend to want that too. So I think that there's definitely um, a, a catering to millennials in terms of a planning, research, how they sort of are, their needs from a technology perspective are different than the older traveler. The experiences that, that people want, I think are often in adventure travel, pretty similar, actually. Mm -hmm. So let's, can we break down um, like what, what adventure means when we're talking about adventure travel? Um, does it have to include danger or, you know, I imagine gear like being a very important part of adventure travel. Um, but when, when is an activity just like an experience and when is it an adventure? If, if you can kind of tell us where that line is. I think it's individually, individually defined. I mean, adventure as a word has become commoditized. I mean, I've, I, I go, I take my kids to a swimming pool and they have the adventure waiting pool. <laughs> I've gone on cruises, you know, go to the so-and-so uh, deck. We're going to have the ad adventure jazzercise. Like everything's an <laughs> adventure these days. So, um, so I, I think when we started back in 1990, adventure meant bungee jumping. It meant climbing high altitude treks and it scared people. And I used to hear that all the time. Why did you call your company that? Because that's not what you do. Um, and we define adventure because places can be adventurous, what we say, adventurous by destination. I mean, when you're in Tibet, it's adventurous. I mean, just being in Tibet, just existing in Tibet from because you're so out of your comfort zone. You, you're, you're, away, you're away from what you're used to, food, um, lodging, whatever, transportation, everything. So that's adventurous because you're pushing your limits. You're leaving your comfort um, to experience something unique and different, having that kind of cultural immersion experience. So it's a really, really tough question to define adventure because, um, and the next, I, I see my kids, an adventure is just not even a word that, that represents active anymore. I mean, it, for them, it, adventure is just another and, it, and it's, you know, and there's trends with words, right? Like when ecotourism started in the mid nineties, it was a buzzword for such a long time, ecotourism. Um, an adventure is, is, and I, as I said, and to some people, adventure still, still does mean active, young, you know, mountain climbing. And um, it's, it's one of the challenges I think of our industry, honestly, to clearly define it so people can sell it um, when, when people want to, and, and buy it. Yeah. Casey, how do you, how does um, ATTA 
define adventure or or do you try how, how do you welcome everyone into the fold whether they're bird walking <laughs> bird watching or um you know or spelunking right well that's a great question and it's one that um you know is something that the adventure travel trade association tackled back in 2005 and so we have an official definition and it's really the intersection of three things which is an activity um some cultural immersive experience and a being in the natural environment. So some um, combination of those has to be at least two of those three things. But if you're rafting down a river, um, that is adventure travel. However, if you're in a local um, remote community in Tibet experiencing food or that, as Bruce said, is also adventure travel because it is really the perspective that that traveler has. If it's adventurous to that traveler, then and it is transformative in some way, if they are going out of their comfort zone, then that is what we define as adventure travel. What we would define as not adventure travel would be going to a museum, being at an all-inclusive resort and sitting on the beach the whole time, you know, maybe doing a large cruise ship where you're gambling and eating at a buffet <laughs> that, you know, is not adventure travel, but it's really, it is broadening and there's a, there's adventure travel opportunities everywhere you go now. Yeah. And you should, it's also, you should mention that the idea of adventure, the word and adventure travel are two different things, right? Because people go um, skydiving. That's adventurous. That's an adventure that in a different way. Um, but as soon as you add travel to it, it implies something very different. And so um, I think that when you talk about, if you, if you, Take the word alone. It even it broadens the definition even more. Sure. Yeah. You know, on that note, how are destinations posi positioning themselves to capture the adventure travel market? I just did a story on Iran tourism, and uh, you know that's just opening to the West in many ways again for the first time in years. Mm -hmm. But these aren't you know these stereotypical adventure itineraries. So yeah. how are destinations sort of appealing to these kinds of travelers? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think for some destinations, they're more advanced in 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 understanding that type of traveler. Um, I think some for some countries and some destinations, it's it's much more complicated and they can't figure it out. Iran is actually a very good example because Iran, when you travel, is not adventurous as you would say. I mean, there's beautiful hotels, there's great food, it's a cultural experience, but it's not active. I mean, there's not act there's not a lot of activity in Iran, but being in Iran is adventurous. As I said, that's one of the destinations we say it's it's adventurous by destination. Um, but I think that I, I think that um, when you talk about tourism boards and governments who want to kind of attract this type of traveler, um, it takes it's it, and they want to uh, build the industry in locally. Um, I, I use New Zealand as an example, who've done so well at promoting a, a natural and active destination. Um, they have to commit to it. They have to commit to it. And when you're uh, on a destination that, you know, makes us money on cruises or resorts or food and wine, it's much harder to then say, oh, we want to also be a natural destination and much more uh, catered to an, um, um, you know, a high-end adventure traveler. Um, and it's for them to do it, they have to, it's a, if, uh, it's a, it's a bit more finicky. The, um, it's, it's a smaller, in, it's, it's, it's less passengers. It's more, I think it's more profitable and more beneficial in many ways for, for the destination itself. But they, they, it has to be an investment. It has to be understood. It needs a, li a little bit of, you know, uh, 
TLC. Um, and it takes a, a period of time to grow into that destination. Like Costa Rica, um, New Zealand, some of these countries started doing that and they're experts at it. But when you get a country like Australia, for instance, it's diff- it's, it's harder for them because Australia has so many other things that it's such, it's such a rich, it's so rich with tourism assets that to fit adventure into that is, has been harder for them when they're trying to promote it as world-class cities, food, wine, you know, the wildlife and everything else. Are you, are you seeing, Casey, um, more destinations get better at this or, or more at least try? Definitely. There's a, there's a lot of interest from destinations to really sort of crack the nut of adventure because, um, you know, we have some preliminary studies that we're working on um, doing larger, larger research around, which shows that 65% of the money from an adventure or travel experience stays in destination. So that's really important to local economies, the local people. And so when we're talking to destinations, we're really trying to get across the importance of um, developing it as a as a long term sort of sustainable model for for travel in their destination, um, but there's a lot of different approaches really based on the sophistication of the destination. There may be one that is developing sort of an emerging market, and they need to focus on um, safety and infrastructure and training for guides and developing the right kinds of itineraries and really how to position themselves as a destination brand. Someone, uh, you know, right now we're actively working in the Balkans and a lot of people don't know much about Kosovo as a destination, but it's it's emerging, it's new, it's in Eastern Europe, close to um, Croatia and Macedonia. And it's a, it's a, Macedonia is another one that's emerging, but it is a little bit more sophisticated. So it's really sort of taking those destinations that really need to understand how are people going to, um, know what's available to them and be able to connect that maybe to another well-known destination or and or take an activity like kayaking or rafting and make it unique to that destination. You know, you can kayak and raft or you can hike, you can bike in many destinations. Why would you go to one place over the other? So we're talking a lot with destinations about that and creating kind of bucket list type experiences. Are there trails like, you know, or in Ireland, they created Wild Atlantic Way. Um, there's things that they can do that will sort of appeal to the adventure traveler who wants to have that experience or that story to tell uh, via social media that they've done a certain uh, activity or experience. Okay. So, so social media sharing, um, that, that leads to the next question, which is how, how is how is technology changing the experience of adventure travel, um, especially when it comes to being able to document what you're doing and share it with the world or just your circle of friends? Do you do you see that there's like a GoPro effect or everyone with a selfie stick? I would hope not on an adventure trek. Selfie sticks are an issue. <laughs> we have so many people <laughs> coming to on trips with selfie sticks right now. Um, so what we need people is to chat beforehand. So meet at Facebook and distribute the selfie stick responsibilities. Um, no, um, technology is changing travel all over, right? Like not just adventure travel. It's changing the way people research travel, the way people book travel, the way people... Um, even dream about travel before they even go. Like, and I guess that's research, but I mean, people actually read about it and, and sometimes don't go for years because there's so much information available. But in terms of that kind of, uh, what I think what you're getting at is content, creation of content. I mean, that's one of the 
things that's that, uh, that, that that's most amazing and, and it's not really actually the sharing it's the 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 capacity that people have in their pockets now to edit and make broadcast quality video no wherever they are because they can obviously t- take a gopro or take a camera even their iphones are hd now and then you can actually edit on the go whether you have a laptop or uh, my kids are editing on their phones right now um, and the qual- the quality is incredible. So, I mean, it, that's changing a lot of different industries um, right now in terms of not not just travel, but it's 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 what what it is what it is like the the consumer the way the consumer consumes the way cons- the consumer gets engaged. It used to be a one way conversation through advertising and marketing, but now it's through blogs, it's through seeing content, it's seeing through seeing their friends' videos, seeing Facebook, and so it's changing how um, companies like us react or try and engage customers um, because your best your best um, word of mouth is your best marketing tool right people telling their friends not because they love you because they love their friends I mean that's the best marketing you could have that they loved your trip so much they want to tell their friends because they care about their friends not because you're a great company and that's a whole new way of thinking when it comes to marketing right yeah, and I would, I would sort of tag on to that, that, that there is this importance of creating those moments that they want to capture, right? So, you know, if they're, they've got their phone out or their video that when, you know, when tour operators are creating tours or you're within an experience, it's, it's also that, um, you know, that guide telling a story that they may want to capture or the time to go, um, you know, take a little video clip of something and also that time to edit or plug in or connect, you know, during the experience that that is something that a lot of adventure travel operators have struggled with because you feel like you're offering this sort of unique experience in nature and connect, you know, being active and and yet you have travelers who really want to be connected and plug in and, you know, millennials check their phone literally every five minutes. And so how, what's the balance between the two, which is very, very tricky. And I think that there is an, and there is an information overload and there's a lot of people who want to put their phones away and disconnect. And so, uh, Bruce probably knows more about this, but what's that balance in terms of providing the opportunities to disconnect yet knowing that they, they need and they want to connect and they want to share those stories. And so it's, um, it's definitely something that's getting figured out right now because there is a need to make sure that, that you are catering to those needs, but then also there's that also that need and that desire that people have to go away and disconnect because they feel like they're always on, you know, you hear about all the time, the sort of the Facebook detox or the Instagram (laughs) detox People are doing it and cleanse, need it. Yeah. I mean, that, and she's made some really good points there because there is a clash of styles of travel right now. There's the, even when we're in group travel, right? So on every group, you have the old school that wants to disconnect. We want to get away. And then we have the people that want, you know, we la- actually this week we're launching um, our, our new truck in Africa, the Lando, which we kind of have been manufacturing for a year. There, there's Wi-Fi on the trucks going through Africa and it's, and it's for a young, they're, they're for our younger groups, the 18 to 30 something groups trips. And we have Wi-Fi ready trucks. Now our ships in Antarctica now have satellite Wi-Fi um, because we want to engage that audience, but it's not natural for the, the, you know, anyone over, let's say 40, like I'm over 40 and I am engaged like that, but I think I'm <laughs> unusual, but like P, but it, it's a clash of styles for sure. And I don't think operators right now know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it, but ultimately if you, 
I mean, as an operator, it's, it's, that's more about the customers that are the experience, but it's better for us as operators because people are sharing what a great time they're having on their trips live. I mean, the amount of, I just came back from Africa for two weeks and I was with um, my kids, but we were with uh, four families and the amount of sharing that went on live to their networks. I was actually doing the math because I went up to all the kids. How many friends do you have? How many friends do you have? I'm just trying to do my own kind <laughs> of market research. <laughs> Every time they see a line, they're, they're like sharing with thousands of people and it's live. And and the old um, older people were saying that, you know, social media is this, I'm here now and you're not kind of attitude, but it re- they don't really, they don't really don't think like that. They don't think like that at all. It's sharing. Mm-hmm. They just want to share with their friends. It's not like, oh, I'm in Africa and you're not. So, you know, it right. sucks sorry, for you. Sorry, not sorry. It, yeah. It's not like that at all. And I think we have to learn to understand that better, like as, a, as operators, for sure. And I speak on behalf of the older generation <laughs> as well. We just, because there is a clash of styles at the moment with traveling. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, one other comment there. I, I'm still amazed by the amount of when I'm traveling, the, the, the times I've been able to share and not easily being able to access a hashtag that is going to help that person who is providing that experience for me. Because I'm busy on Instagram or Facebook doing, you know, Twitter, and I don't know what, how to tag that company because it's not readily vis- visible to me. And what an opportunity that's lost. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's not just me, it's everyone else and it's everyone I'm touching. So there's just, you know, I think that pe- that the people providing these experiences really need to think about how to make that just something not people don't even think about. To stick with technology for a minute, you know, how are consumers booking and researching their adventure trips now? Are they continuing to go through travel agents in more traditional sense or... Are they going online? Are they contacting G Adventures Direct, looking for info? Um, sort of what's happening there? Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll answer that first too. Um, the, I mean, there is all, because we're getting younger and older. So we're, we're definitely pushing more into mainstream more and more. And I think that, um, and that shows, you know, by just our growth over the last five years. But, um, you know, but what, what I will we'll, we'll say is, you know, it's not easy um, to book an adventure travel trip as it is to do a week on the beach holiday. So a travel agent or a point of sale is very important. We have, like, we don't have hard data, but we have very, very little evidence of people that are booking on, you know, trips with us that never contact a person. I mean, they will do the actual transaction online, but at some point they want to talk to someone to prepare themselves for the trip, whether it's having the right shoes. It's, it's more complicated when you have to have the right walking shoes or mosquito repellent, bug nets, whatever it is that, that you might need for that country. That's why the travel industry and travel agents become so important because we're a high-touch product. I call our, we're, we are a high-touch product book. I mean, when you decide you want to, you know, send someone to Burma or send someone um, to, you know, on, on a biking trip in Vietnam, there's more to it than just click, click, and it's booked. So we have very little evidence of, uh, of people, as I said, that go from idea to research to booking to destination without ever having a human touch point. Whereas I think you could find a majority of people do that with books these days or shoes or whatever people will buy online. Um, so the travel agent or wholesaler or travel professional or expert, even bloggers uh, to a certain extent who help people do research sometimes um, in, in, in the sharing economy uh, are very critical to high touch to travel. It's not commodity product like a cabin on a cruise ship. Yeah. What I would say that the, what we found with our, 
personas is that the adventure enthusiast who is somebody who is much more focused on a particular activity. So it's somebody who might be really into road biking or climbing or, you know, birding, uh, that they more traditionally still use, um, traditional media like magazines, print, and so on, um, because they, you know, they're just really engaged in their activity and they're, so they're very much probably have a biking magazine that comes to their door or want to read outside magazine to look for the gear and the, the tips and the tricks for their trail running. But the, um, other side, and so they also are ones that will be most likely to use a tour operator or a travel advisor as well, because they value the expert opinion of those people. So, so we found that. Um, and then also with the amount of customization that has um, come around with all of the research that people do do um, themselves, I think um, what some of the travelers experience is that they want to do it on their own. And because we are, it's complicated and it's high touch the value of a travel advisor really um, all of a sudden becomes really important because then there's that need to piece it all together. You know, oh, I wanted to book my accommodation on my own and I wanted to book that tour, but then that accommodation is not available. And then, you know, and putting it all together can be complex and the value of a, of a tour operator and something that has already put it all together for you or a travel advisor who can help link some of the pieces of the puzzle um, still remains critically important. But from a research perspective, um, people are definitely using Facebook um, for hearing from their family and friends and that sort of dreaming phase that all still happens a lot um, on social media. Um, and so I would say that and the adventure and the grazer who I haven't talked about much from a persona perspective will use those a little bit more than the traditional media for research from the adventure enthusiast side. Um. Are the terms adventure traveler and budget traveler mutually exclusive, or can you can you be an adventure traveler on um, limited funds? I, I think you can. I mean, I think that adventure travel is open. As I said, it's it's a state of mind on, um, on, in traveling. Like, I mean, we always we kind of really push that with you know that if you you know I, we always say if you want the comforts of home, like do everybody a favor and stay at home. Um, and so we want so people. And we want people to think a certain way. I don't think budget really an age. I mean, those two things don't they don't they don't mean anything to someone who wants to experience um, something or who wants to, you know, have more of that cultural immersion type experience. Um, I mean, that's I mean, she um, you might have more research on that, but I mean, we found that is for for, for our passengers. Yeah, no, um, definitely. And I think one just note on that is that there's travelers who will who will spend very little money, maybe on accommodation or food, but then will put more money towards like a specific activity. So if they want to spend money to go rafting for a day, they may do that. Um, but otherwise, they're um, you can still go on a budget. Yeah, that's a very, very good point, actually, you make because we see that people will stay at $5 accommodations because accommodation doesn't matter to them, you know, where they sleep because they're not going to spend that much time. And that, that and and again, they'll spend $5, but then they'll spend like, you know, hundreds of dollars to, to go paragliding or to go uh, to do an activity, but they don't, you know, so so it, it does, it, it can be budget or you can do it on a budget. But at the same time, I know, I know a lot of people that are, you know, trying to stay on a budget accommodation wise will spend a ton of money doing activities. You know, we'll spend top dollar going on activities and it's, 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 it's how they look at how they're going to spend their money. What's important to them. Yeah. Allocation versus, mm -hmm. um, 
luxury, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. So Bruce, you're here in New York promoting your book. Yep. Um, do big, small things. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and I was, I was looking through, um, some photos of it and one of the messages included in that book is get this book dirty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm wondering is, is getting a little bit of mud on your shoes, um, a part of the appeal of adventure travel, um, or, you know, is that a mindset when it comes to adventure travel, like leaving those comforts of home at home and yeah. doing something a little bit scary and different? It, it, it is more that. I mean, it is more about leaving comfort than it is getting dirty, <laughs> admittedly. But I mean, um, because we, I think that, I think that so much in travel is lost when people try, uh, put comfort at the at the, at the, at the priority of their experience. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm all for comfort and being comfortable and we sell holidays. So we want people to be comfortable, but at the same time, you're constantly weighing out the experience. And, um, and if you want to go to remote areas, you want to push limits in terms of, you know, what you, where you can go and, um, have more authentic experiences. That word I rarely use authentic is a, is a dangerous word in our business, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, um, so, I mean, we, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that it's, it's also, um, you know, customization for individuals is, is also something everyone's different. I was curious about sort of the branding aspect of this, you know, more mainstream brands like Disney and thing, Adventures by Disney, uh, or entering the space, does the definition of adventure travel risk getting watered down or the value proposition change at all? Um, do you have any thoughts, Bruce? I, I have serious thoughts. I hate it. No, <laughs> that's basically my thoughts. I see adventure everywhere and it drives me crazy. I have to say, I you hear me cursing on subways and thinking like someone's advertising like, you know, sandwich bags and it's the biggest adventure ever. But um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's a real, I don't, I don't think it's in danger. I think it's happened. I honestly think that you have to put it in the context of travel. Um, and I think an industry ultimately defines itself. I mean, that's what I tell myself as I'm rocking myself to sleep at night thinking about this. But I mean, like, you know, I always say that it, the, the word only um, means so much. You know, what, how you act as a business or as an industry will dictate um, the customer, right? And I, I say this to, to, you know, people in my office, you know, even when, you know, when Led Zeppelin decided to name themselves Led Zeppelin, it meant nothing. It is just a word, but they, they breathe life into those words. Um, and our industry is the same thing. We're pioneering an industry and it is, it is being commoditized around us. Um, but people like uh, ATTA, they're great because they, they actually do the research and, and give us hard data about an industry that we're trying to pioneer together collectively as, a, as an industry. And it's an emerging, I guess, industry as well within the uh, greater context of the travel industry. Um, and so, you know, we will breathe life into that word. I mean, I keep thinking that we will breathe, like people will believe what, in a way that, that we act as an industry. Right, and if we keep it as pure as we can, I mean, it's hard as a, 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 in, a in a global context with so many companies. But we keep the definition tight. We have a great um, organization uh, association like ATTA that kind of um, acts as a, somewhat of a governing body or or acts as a as a uh, overseer of well, if, if it's not research, it's well the definition of how we define ourselves in industry. I mean, I think that I mean, it's, I don't think it's any different than, than how you know river cruising came out of the cruise industry, a completely different industry, completely different market. But they they have 
you know, created a, a whole industry around something different. And, you know, to me, it's the same thing. You're still on like a big steel <laughs> tube uh, floating on water, but that's how I look at it. But they've defined it and they, they've breathed life into that industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey, you have any thoughts on, on the, um, growing group of, 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 bodies that offer adventure travel and what that means to the term? I mean, I mean, are you happy just to welcome more into the fold? Well, I, I certainly am just as scared as Bruce as to what the sort of the implications of that means. However, I, um, trying to look at the positive side of it, uh, those people who are trying adventure activities, let's say on some of the Disney cruises and so on, they are they're tasting sort of the idea of what they can do more in other ways and in more um, authentic mm-hmm. <laughs> experiences outside of a, of a cruise. And I think that that is good and that is good for our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what another positive could be that those businesses that are starting to offer those activities, um, they are, large businesses. They need to be safe. They need to look at risk. So they could can be bringing a um, additional level of professionalism to some of the people who are offering those activities. Um, and perhaps down the line, also providing more exposure to those types, those, those types of opportunities for travelers. There's Again, there's a lot of potential downsides, you know, in terms of it, um, who, what, what providers are they using in ports? And we talk about this often, actually, sort of large crews and what, what is it, its role? We've been talking about it for weeks now, actually, um, very specific related to the Adventure Travel World Summit we're going to have in Alaska in September, because Alaska is very much, you know, has the cruise industry that drives most of its visitation, but the second time visitors are not coming, always coming back on cruise. So a lot of people come back to Alaska because they experienced it the first time via a cruise ship. And there's something to be said for that. That is beneficial. And so, but there's much more complex uh, concerns. Um, However, from a positive perspective, they're trying adventure activities. They may be experiencing Mexico, where maybe they didn't know didn't know what to expect of Mexico, and maybe they'll go back to Mexico in another way. Yeah, that I, another very very good point she makes is because, I mean, um, Disney specifically, we actually see people tracking that are coming on our trips, having gone on Disney adventures or African safari thing and whatever they have in Disney where it's an African safari experience. So they want to see the real thing. I know it sounds, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but we actually hear it from customers. It's the gateway drive yes, to gateway. adventure. Yeah. It, when you talk about gateway experiences, I mean, as adventure travel becomes more mainstream, um, we have to, we have to um, embrace that, those kind of gateway experiences. So, uh, you know, the, and cause I said, when you actually go off on a cruise ship today I mean, like you, you used to have like a city tour or a shopping tour and you choose your but now you have an adventurous option you have and it gets people active it gets people or you have a volunteer day option so you can volunteer when you get off a ship for your one day in dominican republic or whatever wherever it is you are so those are what plant the seeds for people to then say you know i might want to try something different or you know to, next time i go use my holiday time very good um, Bruce and Casey, thank you guys so much. I thought this was a fascinating conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank for having you. Us.